Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Primal Potential is about you. Your ability to change is not defined by yesterday and doesn't need to wait until tomorrow. Your transformation is now. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Benton. You guys know that on our Saturday episodes, we release episodes every Monday, every Thursday, every Saturday. Saturday is questions and answers. Your questions, my thoughts, my insights, if you can even call it that. That might be a little self-aggrandizing. Anyway, I wanted to do something a little bit different today and share with you one of the weekly coaching sessions from inside the 12 Weeks to Transformation. So with my clients in there every week, we get together. Those who can make it live, awesome. Those who can't, no big deal because you can send in any question beforehand. And we just dive into things that are happening, struggles that we're facing right now because What is often the case is we know what to do, but the troubleshooting of how do I get myself to push past the excuse, to push past some unrelated barrier in my life, what am I doing wrong? What could I be doing better? We just work through that stuff. And today, I'm going to share with you one of those conversations that happened inside the 12 weeks because we talk about so much stuff that is right now, real time, real struggles. Somebody asked about um, not knowing how to figure out why they aren't going for the things that they want. They, they are trying to understand what is keeping them from being their best. They know that life could be so much better, but like, what's going on? Why am I not doing the work? Somebody else um, was talking about knowing that something makes them feel better. And in this case, it was journaling, but they're not consistently doing it. So what do I do when I know that I would do it, but I'm st- it would help me, but I'm still really resistant to the idea of it? We talk about that. We also talk about the past and what to do when it has a grip on us. In the same coaching call, we talk about all or nothing behavior. We talk about not letting life derail us and what are some strategies for that. So I wanted to give you a sense of of what this looks like and feels like. But more importantly, I just think that the topics that we went into are incredibly useful And the tools that we discussed that we're all practicing inside the 12 weeks are tools that we all need in our lives. So I could talk about this for ages, but I will let the the, uh, coaching webinar speak for itself. I hope you enjoy it. If there is anything that I can do to support you, to encourage you, message me. Let me know. Find me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. DM me. Tell me what's going on. Tell me how I can help. And uh, I just want you to know that I am in this with you. Enjoy today's show. Okay, first things first. I just want to remind everybody that every day is a blank slate. And if you right now are carrying anything 
about yesterday, about last week, about the last eight weeks, do yourself a big favor and commit to this practice of just letting it go. Because the only thing that it can do is drain your energy. You, me, every single one of us, we are fresh in this moment. And I just want to remind you that it can be totally normal to carry with you a feeling about yesterday or last week, what you did do, what you didn't do, where you thought you'd be, but there's no value to that. It distracts you from an incredibly powerful perspective, which is right now is a blank slate. You know, right now it's a blank slate. So quick little housekeeping administrative thing. Uh, next week, we will talk more about the summer veterans group. What's different? What's the same? How that works? All that good stuff. We'll talk about that next week. I'll also share with you guys a link for those of you who want to register for the summer session. All of that is coming next week. The summer 12 weeks to transformation kicks off on Sunday, June 21st. And we've got some cool things that are happening. Also want to give you guys a heads up that uh, we are having kind of a fun 12 Weeks to Transformation alumni virtual party on Sunday. Uh, we sent an email out about it. Uh, if you didn't get that, just email Sarah. She can hook you up with the details. But it's just meant to kind of create some more sense of community, but also encourage each other. It'll be fun. It'll also be informative. Uh, we'll talk about some of the, the tools that we carry over from one 12-week session to the next and what some of you have found to be most helpful in helping yourselves. So just want to put that on your radar for this week. We had a couple of questions come in ahead of time, and then I'm going to do what I did again last week. I went into the survey that I sent out a couple weeks ago now to kind of ask what's going well, what are you proud of, what have you accomplished, and also where do you still need some work, what feels hard, what can I help with, and I pulled from that second question some answers, so everybody that has filled it out has shared what they're really feeling good about and what's working, but there are always things that where we feel like we could be doing better. And I'm going to dive into a bunch of those today like I did last week. As always, if you're on here live, jump in anytime with any question, any topic, any follow-up, any anything. All right. So let's start with the first one. It says, I'm trying to figure out what is keeping me from my best. I have great ideas and goals, but I'm not consistently taking the action steps to make the changes I desire. It is mostly in the healthy eating slash exercise area. There are so many reasons why I want to eat better, but I have not been doing it. I can't figure out what I am afraid of or why I'm holding back on my best life. This quarantine has been an incredible gift of time and I'm not seizing it. I could have gone through nutrition fundamentals 10 times by now, but I haven't. Not sure why all the fear and or resistance or how to overcome it. I just listened to this week's challenge, so I'll work on mastering the courage to interrogate reality and really listen to myself, but could use a little help here. Absolutely. Okay. Let me share my very strong perspective on this and also how it jives with this week's challenge of mastering the courage to interrogate reality. Now, if you don't see it my way, that's fine too. All right. This is just based on my experience and my experience with the thousands of clients I've worked with over the last six years. I think you're asking the wrong questions. I think you're focused on the wrong thing. What's keeping me from my best? When we ask that, we are 
asking our conscious and our subconscious and our unconscious mind what's in the way. And then we see what is in the way, right? If we look at like, why am I not consistent? Then your brain consciously and subconsciously is going to serve up all the reasons you aren't consistent. So you're using your energy to fuel the problem instead of to fuel the solution. Now, I know it can be tricky because I understand that this question is really how you're going about the solution, but we don't want to get to the solution by way of the problem because what do we travel through? We travel through the problem and we don't have to. We don't want to give more repetition and more rehearsal to the problem. We've already done that. When you look at what am I afraid of or what's holding me back, I totally understand the desire to intellectualize. I understand that we think, well, if I know what I'm afraid of, then maybe I won't be afraid of it anymore if I can just name it. But what I am suggesting to you is that there is a faster and there is a more efficient way and it's getting to the solution, not by way of the problem, just getting to the solution. So if you wanna eat better, Let's not focus on the past, I haven't been doing it. Let's just focus on what it looks like to eat better today. And I want you to get very specific. This is something I say over and over and over again, but I see a lot of people not implementing it. It's not enough to say I wanna eat better today because if it was, we would all eat better every freaking day. What will you do? What will it look like today? Write it down specifically, and then ask yourself, am I willing to do this just for today? Same thing with nutrition fundamentals. When you say like, I don't know why I haven't done it, you are looking to be more well-versed in the problem, and I don't want that for you. Maybe that's something you can work through with your therapist, but while we're here, there's a better way. What parts of nutrition fundamentals are you willing to go through today? So many times we want a PhD in the problem. We want to intellectualize it. We want to understand it. And that's a lot of how we're wired. We are hardwired to understand things, but that can be a block. That can be a barrier to changing it. So much of your understanding, I'm not saying you should never want to understand, but we can't understand it in theory. That's like studying flying instead of flying, right? That is like being a student of medicine, but never putting your hands on a patient. And I think anybody will tell you that they learned far more in their practice than they did in their books. I'm not saying that this learning isn't valuable in any way. What I'm saying is you will understand yourself way more when you get into action. And we don't often realize that our desire to understand all the complexities and intricacies and roots of the problem is actually just one of the ways that we delay taking action. So for the couple of things pointed out here, like I want to eat better, do the damn thing. Figure out what it means to you today and ask yourself what pieces, if not all of it, are you able and willing to do today? If you want to go through nutrition fundamentals, which module are you going to go through today? Or is it going to be five minutes of the first one? Stop holding yourself back by trying to intellectualize the problem. All right, this next one was an email to Sarah, and Sarah sent it to me and wanted me to include it here, and there was kind of two, two messages, so I'll include them both. I actually am not doing great. I feel like I know what I can do to help, but I'm so resistant to journaling. 
Now look, let's pause here. When you say, I'm so resistant to journaling, you are reinforcing that belief. I am not surprised that you continue to be resistant to journaling when you say, when the story is, I'm so resistant to journaling. When you say, I should do it, but I don't. That is a big part of the problem. I want you to think about it this way. Okay. If you watch the news, I want to see, for those of you that are on, get near your keyboard because I'm going to ask a question and I want you guys to answer. The person who reports the news is called a what? You know, the person who gets on CBS or NBC or CNN or whatever, whatever news station, don't raise your hand, just type it in. Not a presenter. Nikki got it. An anchor. The person who gets on the TV or the radio and they go through the news, they are an anchor. And I don't think there's any coincidence that we call them an anchor because they are anchoring us to the story they tell. What's far more powerful, though, is the fact that we are the presenter of the news, the state of things, every single day in our own lives to ourselves, right? So this is happening in our thoughts. This is happening in our words. This is happening as this person writes this email. You are reporting the news. I am so resistant to journaling. I should do it, but I don't. You are the anchor. You just anchored yourself to that story. The issue here is not anything inherent about journaling. It is the fact that you are committed to anchoring yourself to the story. I just don't do it. I'm so resistant. I just don't do it. I'm so resistant. Every repetition is a rehearsal. And until you change that story, this is so foundational to everything we do in the 12 weeks in the rookies group and the veterans group. And I want you guys to begin to see this in yourselves. What story am I telling? You are the anchor. You anchor that to your story. You anchor that to your life, to your practice, to your perspectives. And this is where the story has to change. Now, you don't have to say, I love journaling and I journal every day. But you also don't have to say, I'm resistant to journaling and I should do it, but I don't. You could just say, I will journal today. I will journal today. The second part says, I know when I journal and write things down, I do better and I keep thinking I don't want to go there yet. Again, you just anchored yourself to that story. I don't want to go there yet. I don't want to go there yet. I don't want to go there yet. What about, I'm going to go there today. And you don't have to go anywhere you don't want to go, right? When we journal, I'm not saying you need to go to what happened when you were in the third grade and the first time you were embarrassed and how that impacts you now. No, man. No, it doesn't have to be that if you don't want to be it, if you don't want to do that. But you've created this thing like, I don't want to go there and so I'm resistant. Well, where do you want to go today? How about... I want to go to the fact that when I write things down, I do better. That's the story I'm telling. That's what I'm anchoring myself to. That is the essence of everything we do here. Chris says, mind blown, being an anchor feels so empowering. Absolutely, the stories we tell ourselves, it's everything. I was thinking about this the other day, right? And I feel like I give the example of me and Chris all the time and I don't want to give the impression uh, or lead people to the assumption that like we don't have a good relationship. We do, but we're also in a very, very, very hard season because of the grief that we're going through, right? And because we grieve so differently and the way he grieves is hard for me. 
and the way that I grieve is hard for him. So the other day I was asking myself like fundamentally what is true about Chris? Fundamentally, he is a good man and he loves me. That is the story I want to anchor myself to. But if I go to, he, you know, he just makes a joke out of everything and he doesn't want to have a serious conversation and he doesn't want to talk about Dagny and all of these things, I'm anchoring myself to something else. If that is the story that I tell, right, I am the newscaster in my life. I am telling myself the state of the union of my relationship, the state of the union of my habits, the state of the union of my work, of my feelings, all of it. What do I want to anchor myself to? I want to anchor myself to he is a good man and he loves me. And I want to look for evidence that supports that story. Look, I could anchor myself to the story of the negative and I could find a ton of evidence. But what do I want to look for? What is it that I want? The person who sent this email about the journaling, if you want to feel better and to do better, then you've got to tell the story, anchor yourself to the story that sets you up for that. Because right now, you've anchored yourself to the story that doesn't. Make sense? All right, we're shifting now to the survey responses. So I just want to give everybody the context again that the first question, which we're not seeing here, is like, what do you feel good about? What's going well? What improvements have you made? And then the second question was, where do you still need help and support? And that's what we're going through right now. This one says, my mind still goes to the past. As most of my life, I haven't been overweight, and I want to get back to that life. I am 10 years older now, so I realize it may not be possible to get to the weight I was before, but getting closer to the old me would be fantastic. When I'm concentrating on my goals and doing the work, the what it used to be like doesn't come to my mind that often. So the beautiful thing about that is that you found the solution in that third sentence, right? When I'm concentrating on my goals and doing the work, the what it used to be like doesn't come to my mind. So let's have you focus on very specifically, again, guys, specificity is a superpower. And when we use generalities or, or vagueness, or we just think things through in our head without writing them out on paper, we really limit ourselves and we limit what is there for us that could help us grow. So specifically, as specific as possible, if you think it's specific, get more specific. What does it look like today to concentrate on your goals and doing the work? What are you going to do? What are you going to not do, right? Let's start there. The second part to this is, what if we reframe? You're not going back. You're going forward, right? Instead of, I want to get back to that life, what life do you want to create moving forward starting now? Instead of trying to get back to the weight you were before, what is the weight you want to move forward to? Because I know you know this, but sometimes we just need a reminder of the most obvious things that break us free from a pattern of thinking that's destructive or at least not helpful. You can't go back. None of us can. I would love to. I would give my life to go back in time a few months, but I can't and neither can you. So let's not use our energy for something that is impossible. Fortunately, we can make it better. Instead of I wanna get back to that life, what is the life you want to move forward to? Instead of I wanna get back to that weight, what is the weight you want to move forward to? 
And then finishing up with, you know, you say you feel better when you're concentrating on your goals and doing the work. What will that look like today? Because you already identified that that is your solution. All right. The next one from the survey says, I still often default to all or nothing behaviors. I often choose unhealthy choices, accepting what I know are dishonest stories like I've been so good, I can afford it and I can indulge now and make up for it tomorrow. I need more practice changing my past stories. I hope that making personal promises in these areas will help. I love the fact that you acknowledge you need more practice because so many times that's what it comes down to. We have spent years. We probably have thousands, if not tens of thousands of repetitions with, I've been so good I can afford it. I'll make up for it tomorrow. That is very rehearsed and we just need more reps in doing it the right way. I was thinking about this the other day. Have you ever tried to do something differently? And even though it's like a better way, it feels harder because you're so practiced in the old way. I remember when I took a typing class and I was in like, I don't know, fourth grade or fifth grade maybe. And prior to this typing class, as a little kid, I just did like hunt and peck, you know, like my hands didn't go in proper keyboard position. And then when my typing teacher was like, nope, 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 your left pinky on A and your right pinky on the semicolon and both your thumbs on the space bar, I was literally like, I can do it faster my way, right? I can do it faster my way, even though learning the right way and taking the time would make me go so much faster. So we have to struggle through that period where the right way feels harder because ultimately it's going to be exponentially easier. I can type exponentially faster properly than I can with Hunt and Peck, like by a long mile. But it was probably a good several months of actually going slower before I could go faster. And that's what it comes down to when you say, like, I need more practice changing my past stories. That's what it's all about. I was talking about this. God, what was I recording? I don't even know. It might have been. I don't even know. I was recording something recently. I don't know if it was a daily mindset upgrade or what it was. But um, about this story that they teach when I was learning to meditate. Right. And the the instructor basically said that there was this guy and he had a, a white cloth and he wanted to dye it yellow. All right. So he gets the white cloth and he puts it in the yellow dye. He soaks it in there, pulls it out, wrings it out, rinses it, hangs it to dry. When it's wet, it's still bright yellow. He comes out the next day, it's dried outside in the sun and it's like super faded. It barely looks yellow at all. Like all the dye has seemed to just fade away. But he decides to keep, keep going. And he takes the same rag and the next day, you know, puts it in the yellow dye and he pulls it out. It's bright yellow, rings it out, still bright yellow, rinses it out, still bright yellow, hangs it to dry in the sun. The next day it comes out, it's dry. I mean, it's barely a little darker, but it's nowhere near what it was when he first dyed it the other day. So he keeps doing this day after day after day after day. And every morning when he comes out and it's dried in the sun, it's, it's not as bright as it was when he first finished. And the reason they tell this story in meditation is because a lot of people feel like, you know, it wears off 
when I'm meditating or right after I meditate, I feel so zen. And then an hour later, I'm screaming at my kids. I can't seem to make it stick. I have felt that way with motivation. I have felt that way with determination. But the point is, you just keep coming back to it. You keep coming back to it. You keep coming back to it. Maybe when we sit here and we talk about the fact that I've been so good, I can afford it, is total garbage, no logic at all, doesn't work, isn't going to get you where you need to go, isn't even true, you're totally on board with it. But an hour later, that certainty has faded, right? But that's why we come back to it again and again and again. So every single time that you think I've been so good, I can afford it or I'll make up for it tomorrow, you practice saying that doesn't work. Here's why it's not true. And you practice again and again and again. But here's the deal. Where a lot of people fall short on this is that they lack specificity. You can look at that, I've been so good, I can afford it or I can indulge now and make up for it tomorrow. And you're like, yeah, I know it's illogical. But that is general, that is vague. What I want you to do with those stories is write out the detail of why that is garbage, write out the detail of what is actually true because the more vague and general we are, the less it's really made an impact on us. But even when we get specific, we need that repetition. We need to come back to it again and again and again. So you're spot on, you need more practice. All right, this next one says, I need to temper my resilience so life doesn't derail me from my goals. I know what I need to do, I just need to do it. I need to remember that the things I do, I do for me. My mother-in-law, who has Louis body dementia, came to live with us two weeks ago because the dining room in her independent living facility shut down due to an employee hospitalization for COVID-19. It is clear she cannot prepare her own meals or take care of herself. I am resentful because I feel I am totally responsible for grocery shopping and preparing meals. I feel like a need to relax and take a break from having another person in the house to be concerned with, so I have been getting takeout a lot. But this is hurting my nutrition goals, not anyone else's. This is hard. I'm trying to work to make sure my daughter and mother-in-law stay entertained and fed. So. I want to start with one of the things that helps me the most. It's actually two things. The first is I refuse to turn my blessings into burdens. The second one is context. And then maybe the third one is priorities. What matters most to you in life? I don't know. I don't know what it is for you, but I will tell you if I put myself in your shoes right now, what matters most to me in life is family. And when I come back to that, I feel like the time is a gift. Even though gifts often come with responsibilities and gifts aren't always flawless. Now, your priorities might make that answer different for you, but like what are really your priorities in life? And what are the blessings about this? The fact that you can buy food, the fact that you have the option for takeout, right? the fact that you have a family in your home, the fact that you are well enough to take care of somebody else and they don't have to take care of you. What a gift that is. Your health, your independence, your options. I refuse to turn my blessings into burdens. And here's where context comes into play. 
sometimes when something really, really awful happens in life, it put things into context for us. And maybe you don't have your own personal context, but you can share someone else's context, right? I never want to lead with like my own, well, because something happened to me, you shouldn't feel bad about having to cook for your mother-in-law. It's not that at all. But I know for me, when like my, when my dad died in a car accident, it put a lot of things that used to upset me into context because compared to that, it was, it was no thing at all. And it wasn't worth stressing me out. And now I have things in my life now that give dramatic context to so much of what happens. But where do you have context to draw on? Maybe it's your own personal experiences. Maybe it's somebody you know who's going through somebody. Maybe they just lost their mother-in-law. Maybe their mother-in-law, they can't see because of COVID and they haven't seen their mother-in-law in two months and that's like so hard for them. What can you do to put it into context? The other thing is you can use your circumstances as rationale to get out of your commitments or you can practice, practice being someone who does not let their circumstances take away from their commitment. So what is your commitment to your health? And then get very specific. You can practice today not letting any circumstance derail that commitment. Look, even if you get takeout, you can get healthy takeout or you can get less healthy takeout. You can want a break and also cook a meal. We had a master's club webinar almost a month ago now, and we were talking about perspective and different things like that. And something came up and I don't even remember the context, but what it triggered for me is I started practicing the mantra that I find cleaning my house peaceful and relaxing because I felt like it was a burden. I felt like it was a chore. I don't have time. I don't want to do it. Somebody else should do it. Blah, 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 blah. Now, and I, and I have somebody who helps with cleaning, but with a dog and 11 chickens inside and all of this kind of stuff, I do a lot of the day-to-day, -day, you know, silly cleanup, whether it's vacuuming the floors or cleaning the counters or keeping the kitchen clean every night. And it was stressing me out. So I decided to say, I find the process of cleaning my home relaxing and peaceful. And as I kept saying it, I was like, okay, how might this be true? Because at first it didn't feel true at all because I love having a clean home because I have a home to clean in the first place because it's a way that I can show love and care for Chris. So you could do this too with cooking. You can be like, oh my gosh, I just want to break. I don't want to have to clean up after anybody. I don't have to have to cook for anybody, but you can also say, you know what? I'm actually finding a way to really love this process. And I am going to work on that, that I enjoy cooking and I enjoy taking care of people because it's a way that I can show love. And I enjoy spending time preparing food to nourish my body because if I don't have my health, I don't have anything. And that is a practice. Sarah just said, hi, Evie. I love the conversation about priorities. I realized I have been quick to put work first, family second, and self last. I realize that this is an upside down pyramid and it is not how I want to live. Can you speak to some practices to shift that perspective and priority? I want to find the and versus the or. Yeah, absolutely, Sarah. Let's go there right now. There are a few more things that have come in, but let's, let's go there right now. What does it look like 
to shift this. If today was a day where your self-care came first and your family came second and your work came last, what would that look like? And maybe you come up with this ideal scenario and you're like, I can't do that. Okay, well, what parts of it can you do? What parts of it can you do? If I were the kind of person who put myself first, my family second, and my work last, because those are the priorities Sarah gave in her example, what would that look like? And maybe it's a long way away. Maybe you're going to have to take baby steps, but first get very, very specific on what that would look like. If I were living this way, if I were the kind of person who, with specificity, what does that look like? What can you do about it today? And how are you going to hold yourself accountable to that practice? All right, this next one says, I don't know. Meaning like the question was, what do you need help with? Where are you struggling? I don't know. Since the pandemic has occurred, my entire life has shifted upside down. And I do often feel like I'm white knuckling through the day, weeks, months. My job is in a state of flux and the current demands time consuming. My high schooler is struggling being an only child and alone and missing sports, which is as an 11th grader in the year of college is uh, trying to get to a recruiter. Summer isn't looking any better for sports for him, so I worry about depression and my mother has been diagnosed with liver cancer. She is across the country and I'm about to have to travel, whatever that means, to see her and be with her for surgery and once the surgery is over, her prognosis is not favorable. I have a wonderful circle of friends and family to support me. I'm not alone, but I feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders and I cry every day at some point from the weight and I feel stupid for bringing this up to you knowing what you are going through. So this is the longest answer to get to. I literally have no ask of you. I'm just going to keep coming back to journaling, feeding myself the best foods I can to stay strong, a minimum walking every day so I can handle all of this. I am currently in survival mode. Thank you for asking. I think of you often. I'm sending you positive energy. Okay, what if we flip this from I'm in survival mode to my life is actually incredible and there are some things that are hard. Now, I'm not telling you that you should say that if you feel like, no, Elizabeth, screw you, it's not. But maybe it is. Just consider for one second that maybe your life is actually really amazing and there are just some hard things happening in it. I'm not saying that's true for you. I'm just throwing that out for food for thought. And of course, the previous answer is about context, the previous answer is about not turning your blessings into burdens, the previous answer that we just went through all applies here. But what if instead of I'm in survival mode, the weight of the world is on me, what if you totally threw that story out and anchored yourself to a different one? Remember, you are reporting the state of the union. So if the state of the union is, I'm just going through the motions, my job is time consuming, I don't know if it's going to continue, my high schooler is struggling, they might end up with some sort of depression if things don't turn around, maybe possibly I'm worried about it. My mom has this diagnosis. The prognosis isn't favorable. If that is the state of the story you are telling yourself, then yes, you are going to feel like garbage. But if I asked you to come up with a list of 25 things that are truly amazing in your life and truly are blessings, I think it would change everything because it doesn't mean that we deny that these things are hard. But let's not exclude all the things that are great. And I know you mentioned you've got family and friends, right? But, but you, you went a centimeter into what is good and right and blessed, and you went a mile into what is wrong and even what is potentially wrong. I worry about depression with him, but he's not depressed now. 
the prognosis isn't favorable, but we haven't even gotten to surgery yet, right? So many times we go a mile deep on the problem and only an inch deep on the solution. We go a mile deep on what is wrong and only an inch deep on what is right. And that is something we can shift. The next one says, I'm still struggling with consistency and I tend to let myself get distracted or fall off track when times get harder. I feel overwhelmed with everyday priorities, household chores, caregiving, doctor's appointments. Okay, so what's a non-negotiable for you? Have you identified a non-negotiable for you? And here's the deal. These things can shift with seasons and priorities and goals, but let's identify, since you seem to feel like things are falling off the, off the rails, what are some non-negotiables you want to establish? No matter what, I will. No matter what, I will. What are those for you? Now, I would start with a list that's as long as however you want it, but then in terms of what you're committing to practice, pick just one. Pick just one that's doable. No matter what I will get this many steps a day. No matter what I will start my day with water. No matter what I will meditate for at least five minutes. Because again, we can make the case for and anchor ourselves to everything that is wrong and that we're not doing, or we can commit ourselves to what we can do and that makes all the difference. This one says, I continue to work towards finding the best system for journaling and planning and holding myself accountable for moving my goals forward. You know, I still haven't found the best system. And I don't need the best system. And I don't think you need the best system. I don't think we'll ever know what the best system is. Sometimes we just want to know how it could be better instead of just how could we make it work today? You know, I, I, for the life of me, change every, I cannot stick to a way of journaling because I've got a prayer journal, I've got work stuff, I've got my identity journal. But you know, about two years ago, I decided I'm not looking for the best way. I'm just going to do it a way that works for today. Now, sometimes we find improvements along the way, but I've thought a million times about like, what's the best way to kind of prep meals for the week? I'm not interested in the best way. How can I make it work for this week or for today? Because it's going to be in flux. And I just would encourage you to be okay with the fact that maybe you don't have the best way, but if it's working, just keep on keeping on and you will find improvements in the process. Otherwise, it can be easy to get stuck in the like, let's evaluate 50 million scenarios and buy 14 planners and never finish one of them. You know, we start for a week and then we have 14 unfinished planners that we've never worked our way through. How many of you have other identity journals that you haven't finished out? But you maybe got six weeks or seven weeks in, and then you stopped, or you got two weeks in, and the rest of it's empty. I would worry less about the best thing and just worry about what you can do for today. All right, those are the only things that came in ahead of time when we got Sarah's question live. For those of you who are on here live right now, any questions, any topics, anything you want to go into more deeply in the time that we have together today? No big deal if you don't. Um, I am happy to catch up with questions another day, another time, but uh, I am here whenever you guys think of anything that 
you want to chat about. Uh, Julie says, thank you for reminding uh, me of the things I know. You are very, very welcome. Very welcome. Anybody else? Uh, Shirley says, thank you for covering consistency. That's a practice I continue to work on. You and me both. Consistency is a forever practice. You know, it is really a forever practice. How about anybody else? Any other questions, comments? Anything at all? Well, you guys know that if you think of something in an hour or a day or a week, you can post it in our Facebook group. You can message me. You can put it in Thinkific. Uh, Rachel says, I just want to report back and let you know I've been a good steward of my time since we spoke last week. That is awesome, Rachel. I love to hear that. Uh, Virginia says, on journaling, do you use all your journals every day or do you use a particular one on a particular day and you switch it around? I almost always use all of them every day. Yeah. Um, my work stuff often goes in my identity journal, but then I just have like a, a work journal of, of ideas and longer term projects and things to ask the team that's outside of that. Um, so like right now I have all three of them right next to my, um, my laptop. Yeah, I usually use all three. But like if that freaks you out and you don't want three, then don't use three. And if you're like three, I have seven. Great, use your seven. All right, it doesn't look like there are any more questions, but you guys know where to find me if anything comes up. I hope that you have a really wonderful day and I am here to help, to support, to encourage in any way that I can. So do not hesitate to reach out if I can help in any way. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to the Primal Potential Podcast, where our goal is not to help you learn. Our goal is to help you change. This is a year of action. Take something you learned from this episode and put it into action in your life today. To learn more about working more closely with me and the Primal Potential team, please visit primalpotential.com forward slash transform.